Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we have got an interesting guest today, particularly for you, because, wow, there's some real similarities here, aren't there? Absolutely, Mom. We're going to have another brief sibling on today, and she and I have a lot in common because we were both in college when our siblings suddenly died in a car accident. Um, her name is Mary Beth Lamy, our guest, and she, her sister was 15 when she died in a car accident, and, and Mary Beth was in between her freshman and sophomore years of college. Mm, sounds familiar. Absolutely, Mom. And as you know, we're going to talk about how losses shape our lives. Mary Beth was profoundly changed and influenced by her sister's death, and it really impacted the shape and direction of her professional and personal life, which I completely identify with. Today, she is a licensed clinical social worker, the community outreach director for Thompson Funeral Home, and she does continuing education for professionals in the field of grief and loss. So welcome to our show, Mary Beth. Well, thank you. Hi, Mary Beth. So great to have you on today. Bring us back, Mary Beth, a little bit to um, early on your sister dying and you hearing and what that then ended up looking like at the beginning. Right. So um, similarly, it was a car accident. So mm -hmm. there was... Um, nothing in the way of preparation to say, oh, someone's illness, this is something we can expect. It was literally just having a neighbor walk up and say, oh, there was a wreck about a mile from your home. And then everybody gets in the car and, and goes up there because I, I, I guess you must have a sixth sense about these things. But my mother and, and the neighbor who came and got us, we went up to the road and sure enough that it was my sister who had been killed in the car accident. Now, um, her best friend who was driving lived and survived, um, as did um, her younger sibling. So, and that's been actually um, a really beautiful and interesting story just in having that relationship ongoing um, mm -hmm. after that. But um, immediately after, I think for our family, there was just this immediate shutdown of complete just shock, disbelief, um, at the time, my father had been living out of state and was commuting every weekend. And so there was all the um, work to be done to communicate with him, get him back to South Carolina where we were living, and, um, and then just do something. Which, you know, commence with funeral planning and all of that. But, but just moving forward seemed to be this whirlwind of just being caught up in, in the minutia of a million decisions to be made. So. And you were 18 at the time? I was, I was, I was 18, it was between my freshman and sophomore year and um, had been just tooling along with, with, with no other thought in my head other than school, friends, all of that. And I think had certainly had experience with loss, having lost grandparents and, 
and things of that nature. But at that age and stage, I had not had peers that had lost anyone. Certainly, I had not lost anybody significantly close to me. Um, so it was, um, I think when you use the word profound, it was profound. It was profound. And um, I will say, um, I don't think that I used my sister's name. Her name was Jenny. I don't think I used Jenny's name for a good two or three years. Wow. Just this, this need, this not even an, uh, an awareness that I needed to protect my parents. I needed to protect myself, but the separation that this had happened. And I just kind of put that in a, in a little closet, shut the door. And then um, if I needed to refer to her room, I'd say the green room or, you know, the cat, call the cat by name, but not Jenny's cat or any of that kind of stuff. And my mom, of course, this is a number of years later, she pointed that out to me and I said, yes, I remember that time well. And just feeling so compelled that um, I needed to really um, attend to what my parents needed because one of the things as a bereaved sibling um, was not just my loss, but watching my parents experience the death of their child and feeling this incredible responsibility to um, attend to their needs in addition to my own. So. And I think what you're saying is really normal. I certainly experience the same thing as do a lot of the siblings that I know and work with. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're told also by society, be strong for your parents. Right. Parents have been through the worst loss. I mean, it's not our parents that are saying it. It's just that others are having this belief right. system. And also we are seeing our parents in a, a place that we've never seen them, in a vulnerable, really mm -hmm. devastated place. Right. I found it a little scary at first, and I felt like I really did kind of have to put some of my grief on a shelf, mm -hmm. to, uh, kind of look after the family, make sure everybody was okay. Right. Um, my parents didn't assign me that role. I just mm -hmm. into it naturally. Right. Um, yes, I think it's, it's normal. You know, parents are always saying to me, my children aren't grieving in front of me. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, and I'm worried about them, and I don't know why they're, they're withholding. And I'm like, they're, they're not withholding. They just don't want to upset you anymore and they're trying to kind of be normal kids also right 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 and you know here's the thing particularly that age and stage of development i i had no i had nothing to draw on i had no prior experience so i had had nothing to kind of pull on other than the shoulds that we tell ourselves what i should do or, or you know um what occurs to me when i see my mother uh, you know shutting herself in the bathroom crying and that immediate need to to take care of her. What would you have liked to have been different? Somebody? I personally would have liked, not from you and dad, but from the world, to have a little more validation and acknowledgement that my loss was really significant. Mm -hmm. I felt that people didn't really talk about, they didn't address it a lot with me. They mm -hmm. would ask, how are your parents doing? Right. And so that was where my focus was. It was always with mm -hmm. how my parents were doing, because that was the question I was always being asked. I don't know about you, Mary Beth. I, th I, would, I would say um, similarly, yes. Um, I, first of all, my parents are fantastic and they, they were phenomenal in how they responded to my needs and, and, and um, ensuring that I was okay to the extent that one can be. Um, I think similar uh, to your experience, I would have um, friends, well, how are your mom and dad? How are they doing? You know, just using me as a conduit through which they would find out how my parents were coping and managing. Yeah. And, um, and I didn't, I didn't um, mind it necessarily, but upon reflection, I would have to agree that it really would have been nice to say, and how are you? 
right. getting along and, and maybe not use me in that way. Um, but interestingly enough, I recently facilitated a, a bereavement group for siblings who had lost a young child. And um, it was interesting that that was a commonality that came out across the board within our group, that sense of not necessarily being um, considered the top griever, if you will. They, they didn't get the top billing for, for their grief and their loss. And so they felt a little bit pushed to the side sometimes and would have appreciated folks giving them a little bit more attention to their own, their own loss. When I referred back to those, those first few years after my sister's death and I completely avoided it. It was shortly after that time before I went back to grad school because my undergrad's actually in business. And I did that for a few years and enjoyed it. But my, my, my nature, my personality is such that I've always been drawn to, um, I guess, I, social work, to helping, helping folks. So when I went back, um, and I started thinking, this is really something I wanna pursue professionally. I wanna leave business. I wanna get into social work. I did set some time aside and did my own work with a therapist and just kind of working through that. And I would, I would say, if you're someone who feels like, hey, this experience has shaped who I am and I wanna pursue this professionally, then you have an obligation to anyone you work with in the future to do your own work first. So I will, I will start with that. Secondly, um, I did go on and um, went into graduate school, uh, pursued my, my social work degree, and went directly into working with teens in crisis. And, and I didn't stay there for very long because then I got pulled into hospice, which is where I spent about 17 years of my career. And I found that um, certainly that experience informed me on a level of empathy and, and being able to connect with people and, and, and understanding what we had spoken about, that not every person that you encounter may be receiving um, attention in the way that they need to grieve. In other words, having that loss validated for them. What have you found in working with all these siblings and being a brief sibling yourself has helped? Honestly, I think just the freedom to grieve and not having folks put expectations on how long it should take or what it should look like. As I mentioned before, my parents are phenomenal, and and I imagine your situation similar. But uh, they 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 let me go for two years and never mentioned my sister's name and didn't call me out on it. They just were warm and supportive and um, great parents. And then when I started doing the work and and would come to them and say, "Do you remember when?" They would have conversations with me and share what it was like from their perspective. So hey, I've got to stop you for a minute. I am absolutely blown away congratulations to your parents they actually let you go for two years yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's, that's phenomenal i mean yeah. it just shows the grieving process not everyone has absolutely. to verbalize i mean and then just friends and, and just being um just having i will say this i think the support system that folks have is a huge determinant on how they're going to fare with their grief process so so I perceive that I had a great support system. I work with families and they say, well, how long does this take? You know, my, my answer is as long as it takes. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no crystal ball to say who and how we're gonna, how we're gonna manage our grief. Everyone's saying- that, I do find over and over that siblings are shelving it for a while. I know I certainly did. I mean, I talked to my family, but I never talked to my friends about it because they couldn't relate, no. they didn't hear about it. Right. They were like, 
three, three weeks. Why are you still talking about this? I mean, there, there was a short, I mean, I was 20. They right. wanted me, me to be the fun 20 year old that I was before my brother died. They didn't have a lot of tolerance for me being the grieving 20 year old. I felt like to a certain extent, I, I had to put some of it on the shelf because I wanted to be a 20 year old. Mm -hmm. And I was overwhelmed by the idea of going there in this grief, you know, into this grief. So I, I find it over and over people say we shelved it for a little while. And I, like you said, that's okay. Otherwise you started moving in that direction. Yes. And you're talking about how um, it shapes it through life. As time goes on, you guys have moved into it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It changed my career path completely. I mean, mm -hmm. and I was told over and over and over by professors, don't write, don't go too far into it. Don't do your doctoral dissertation on the sudden death of a sibling, which by the way, I did do it on the sudden death mm -hmm. of a sibling. It was the only reason I was in psychology. Right. I became a psychologist. So there was no way I was not going to do that. I moved fully into it, not only to help others, but to also understand my own process. Mm -hmm. And uh, then to go out and help other people you know, take the journey with them as you did. Sure, sure, absolutely. Yep. So very similar path. So it's changed, it sounds like it's shaped the direction, like you said, of your professional and your personal life. Right, right. And so I would say personally, um, just maybe adding on a few layers of empathy, um, an awareness that, um, not to be so quick to assume things about other people and, and what they're experiencing and how they're experiencing it. Um, and just how, how quickly things change. And so just this much deeper appreciation for what I have in this moment, mm -hmm. because I might not have it in my next moment. We hear so much about self-care. And so I would, I would say start there. And, and sometimes self-care doesn't have to be you know, drink a lot of water, sleep, and, and all that. It can be just give yourself permission. If no one else is, give yourself permission to just go at your own pace. You're not competing with anybody, and you're not trying to measure up to any standard on grief. There's, there's no award who grieves the best or the most effectively. And I think when we remove any expectations um, from ourselves and give ourselves permission, we're able to do the work that we need to do at the pace we need to be doing it because we're all at different stages and phases of life. We're not all, we don't all need therapy. We don't all need support groups. And um, one of my favorite, I'll, I digress for a second. One of my favorite um, programs that I have is I have a social group for single seniors who've lost spouses. And, and that, that was actually born out of my work in hospice and recognizing not everyone needs a grief support group, but what they do need is to rebuild and, and construct a good support system. You know, one of the things that I really resonate with me that you're saying is that I love the idea rather than a support group, mm -hmm. look for building your support system. I work for Thompson Funeral Homes in Columbia, South Carolina, and we are, I'll do my little website here. It is um, thompsonsfuneral.com, www.thompsonsfuneral.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been wonderful. And for all the great work you're doing, I know uh, in the name of your sister, Jenny, uh, very important. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Mary Beth. And thank you for building awareness for sibling loss also. Oh, thanks. And thanks everybody for watching this show. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, 
Please land on ours until you find your own, and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.